This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 335, and you're listening to The Daniel Glass Show only on Drummer's Resource. This is it, right here. Uh-huh. Then you gotta add some of the little tricks. Ah, ah, you'll be swinging. Uh-huh. Right. It's The Daniel Glass Show on Drummer's Resource, offering a deeper look into Daniel's unique take on music, drumming, and life. Philosophy, motivation, musical deconstructions, and conversations with influential voices in the music industry. Hey everybody, it's Daniel Glass. want to welcome you all back to another episode of the Daniel Glass Show here on the Drummer's Resource Podcasting Network. And before we go any further in today's show, I want to play you a little piece of music. Now that little ridiculous bit of music, that little tiny pop song, is called exactly what the lyrics say. Baby monkey riding on a pig, baby monkey. And a few years ago, you know, my wife and I are hanging out at home, and she says, oh, honey, you got to come in and check this out. And I go in, and it is absolutely hilarious piece of footage. It's like a YouTube clip of a baby monkey riding backwards on a pig, and the pig is running around as fast as it can, and this baby monkey is clinging to it. And somebody had written this ridiculous song. But what was weird about it was instead of somebody just putting some random music to a video, like you often see when you watch a little silly YouTube video, this apparently had been actually written for the video. And, of course... What happened? This maniacal little hook, you know, got stuck in my head. And that is what we're going to talk about today, music in my head. And this was bad. Both my wife and I, for weeks, we were walking around, and we just kept, you know, doing our little daily activities, and baby monkey, baby, oh no, God, I got to get that, I got to stop that. It 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 was an earworm of the worst variety. But it is an interesting story, and it led me to a lot of uh, interesting thoughts about what was going on here. So first of all, what I noticed is that as opposed to a lot of the, you know, really horrible pre-programmed music that you hear over YouTube videos, this one had some thought to it. In literally, the video is about 57 seconds long. In the space of 57 seconds, the person who wrote this had written an entire pop song with a chorus and a verse and a bridge and a chorus out. And I was very impressed by that, not only because it had the ability to get stuck in my head, but because it was a well-written song with all the parts and everything. So I looked it up, and maybe some of you are hip to this, because this video, of course, has been watched like 78 million times or something. It was written by a guy named Perry Grip, who was in a pop-punk band in the 90s called Nerf Herder, and knew how to write a really slick little pop hook. And what he ended up doing when the band broke up, he kind of got his studios together, and he has been, what he did, his little niche that he found, he would find 
silly little YouTube videos, and then he would write these little pop songs that went with the videos, and they go perfectly with the videos, and they capture some kind of essence of the video, and it's really brilliant, and the guy has kind of created a whole career for himself composing these things, and then they've been used in children's games or children's cartoons, and I think there's a a baby monkey game now that you can get, and, um, you know, not to mention that when you have millions of hits on your YouTube channel, then YouTube starts paying you. In any case, in addition to this really getting stuck in my head, this brought me to a sort of a, a, a wanting to understand a little bit more about the music in my head. Now, I always have music in my head. Always. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can stop me and say, Daniel, what's playing on the soundtrack, in the soundtrack in your mind right now? And I'll be able to tell you. doesn't matter what I'm doing, where I am, what I'm involved with. You know, it's sometimes farther in the back of my mind, sometimes in the front of my mind. It's always there. And I don't know if it's because I'm a musician or if this phenomenon is what drove me to be to become a musician. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure many of you out there have experienced this. And of course, right now, of course, the song that's on the soundtrack in my mind, the music that's in my head, is Baby Monkey Riding Backwards on a Pig by Perry Grip, because we've just been talking about that. So I decided to do a little sociological experiment, if you will, and stop myself at any point during my day. And I did this a few weeks back just sort of stop and give the date and the time and mention what was going on. So throughout this podcast, we're going to cut away and you're going to hear the music that's in my head at any any given moment. And let's start right now. Friday, 9.47 a.m., St. Thomas. Friday, 9.50 a.m., my new original surf tune in seven. So let's talk a little bit about this phenomenon, which we said is called an earworm. And supposedly, it has its origination from the German Erwurm, which is very exciting and uh, official sounding. And it's, it's also known by other names like brainworm, sticky music, or stuck song syndrome. So that's that's very cool. It's apparently been studied somewhat over the years and has sort of certain kinds of characteristics. So I'd like to just talk a little bit about it because I was like, I've experienced this, you know, my whole life. And I wonder if people have the music going continuously like I do or if it's just occasionally. I think I learned in my research that 98% of people can experience the phenomenon. Of course, we all talk about it. Oh, I got this song stuck in my head right now. But you know, how does it work in individual people? So it doesn't seem like, you know, there's a universal thing to it, but certainly people get stuck on songs that have a repetitive pattern. That's obvious. So you hear a pop song on the radio and you hear it over and over and it gets drilled into your brain. Uh, An unusual time signature. That happens to me all the time. And I don't know if it's because I'm into, you know, more sort of advanced music that has lots of different time signatures going on. I'll play you an example right now of a Frank Zappa thing in five that gets stuck in my head, and I just, for years and years, have heard this since since the late 80s, probably. Uh, this little bit in five is always in my head. Mm-hmm. 
So another interesting phenomenon, some psychologists theorize that earworms are the brain's way of trying to close a gap in rhythm, scales, or lyrics. So we're trying to like finish something that sort of is is stuck on in a loop, as it were. And there's a story that I read about where Mozart's children used to drive him nuts. They'd be in one room of the house, he'd be in another. They would play a scale all the way up to the last note. Da, 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 da. And then just leave it hanging. And it would get stuck in his head so bad he'd have to run in and finish the scale, play that last note, because otherwise he just couldn't get the unfinished one out of his head. Saturday, 2.55 p.m., Not Ethiopia by Steps Ahead from the amazing album Smoking in the Pit with Steve Gadd. Monday morning, 9.01 a.m. I'm singing the Meat Puppets Backwater. And when I wake up in the morning. Some more interesting facts about earworms. Apparently, according to researchers, songs with lyrics may account for 73% of earworms, whereas instrumental music may only cause uh, 7.7% of earworms. Now, I don't know about that, because I, I am an instrumental musician, uh, or a lot of what I play is, and I, there's, there's no bias one way or the other in my brain. But I wonder if most people, what they listen to is instrumental, or is uh, music with lyrics, if that, if that you know, they have a bias in that regard. And apparently, earworms are, apparently, they're usually 15 to 30 seconds in length, and they are more common in those with an interest in music. So, again, for those of us who are experiencing them all day, every day, we must have a strong interest in music. Another interesting characteristic of the earworm is that often the songs that get stuck in our heads are ones that come from our first 15 years of life. So, something about our development when we hear music as younger people that we go back to it. I don't know if this is necessarily true for me, maybe because I've never outgrown being a 15-year-old in my mind. I'm still, and I still sort of see music the same way. I'm, I'm always excited about it. I'm always uh, devouring new music. I'm, I'm, I'm enthused about it. So I, I get music stuck in my head from all eras of my life. Now, the last couple of tidbits I want to point out about earworms that really do hold true for me is that they can be triggered certainly by hearing the song or by hearing a part of the song. So you hear something and it knocks it back into your mind. But they can also be triggered by involuntary memory. In other words, you could see a word that reminds you of a song or you could hear, well, you could feel an emotion associated with the song or you could remember, you could have a memory about a certain time or place that you were at a, at a period of your life and, you know, that memory will trigger the song coming back into your mind. And I think for me, all of these cases hold true and probably they do for most people, but it's just so strong with me. I have such strong musical memories glued on to every part of my life. You know, if, if, if you ask me when I was 12 years old and where what I was doing in my life, I could tell you the songs that I was listening to or that were on the radio or memories that I have uh, that associate with songs. And again, I don't think this is unique to me by, by any stretch of the imagination. And one, one last little piece that I thought was interesting, and I don't know if this holds true for you out there, but when you 
are you able to do other activities while you have the music going on in your head? And for me, that's absolutely the case. No matter where I am or what I'm doing, uh, it's always running. You know, it's, it's always on, on play, whatever it may be. It's just how much I choose to access it or not. Sunday, 6.07 p.m. Much to my chagrin, I'm singing Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto by Styx. Ugh. Perhaps because I've been watching the television show Mr. Robot, which has nothing to do with the aforementioned song. 7.30. Oh, this is bad. That horrible dance club tune. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Oh, I want to kill myself. Okay, so I looked a little deeper in. I just sort of did some scanning. And am I crazy? Is there something wrong with me? Do I have a mental illness of some kind? You know, I, I sometimes in my life I've wondered these things because the music is so is so there and it's so strong. And it doesn't, I don't think it gets in the way of me living my life and, and doing what I normally do, going through my daily activities. But maybe there's something wrong with me. So I did look into it as, as part of my research for this podcast. And certainly, I mean, I found all kinds of interesting things. People with mental illnesses hear music. And so, you know, people with bipolar or depression or anxiety, and sometimes they, they hear, and I've sort of recorded other people's experiences to see how they jibe with my own. So some hear individual instruments, some hear marching bands or orchestras. A lot of people did report saying, I hear songs a lot from when I was a teenager. And if you know anything about mental illness, a lot of mental illness onsets like schizophrenia, bipolar, those things can become much worse in late adolescence, sort of your college years, and maybe there, there are some associations there. For some people, the phenomenon gets worse if they haven't slept, or for example, if they are experiencing a bout of high blood pressure, then it gets worse. For some people, it's pleasant. Certainly for me, it's pleasant. I don't, I don't mind it. I think sometimes it is irritating, but being that I am a musician, you know, if I if I did something else for a living and I always had music stuck in my head, that might be frustrating, but I sort of have run with, with my passion, so my passion is in line with this irritating habit or sometimes irritating habit. You know, but for some people, it literally drowns out their conversations. It becomes unbearable. It becomes so loud. For some people, they think that they've literally left the radio on and they try to find, you know, either the radio or whatever. Somehow they think they're hearing it through speakers. And I think there's actually a, a condition called musical ear syndrome, which is relates to people who have suffered from hearing loss or who are, who are deaf or have gone deaf. And they suddenly hear music and they think, wow, I can hear again. And when in actuality, the music is in their head. And this is interesting for those of us who have been around loud music for a long time. Uh, probably a lot of you drummers, guitar players, rock musicians, uh, even just loud music listeners. You know, today with earbuds and all that, we're really exposed to a huge amount of sound. What's fascinating is what I learned about tinnitus, because I, I would experience bouts of it. And, you know, it, it obviously wasn't music. Uh, it was like a rushing sound or a whooshing sound or a ringing sound or a hissing sound. And what I found out about tinnitus is that a lot of it has less to do with damage in your ear than it does about how you compensate for the damage that is there. So in my case, I do have some damage at the high end, but it isn't that bad. But what happens to your with your brain is that when there is a little bit of loss, 
then, and you're not hearing certain things, your brain sort of wants to fill in the gaps. It wants to produce something so that you're hearing something in the way that you've been used to hearing it your whole life. So that's why a lot of people experience symptoms of tinnitus is not necessarily that they have some something some condition where their ear is actually ringing but their mind fills in a gap and produces different kinds of sounds and then those can be irritating and of course what they do is they make you more anxious because you're like god i'm hearing this stuff in my ears and the more anxious you get the worse it gets so it's a it's a tricky thing and when i learned that there was that a lot of it was a psychological aspect it allowed me to kind of relax and go okay i'm not permanently damaged, you know, forever, or there isn't as much damage as I thought, I can, I can maintain, I can move forward with this. Saturday, 3.09, I'm singing I Like Pie, which is this song, uh, it's an old rhythm and blues tune from the 20s, I'm going to play it later today on a big band gig, and it's been stuck in my head the whole last few days because I've been learning it. It's obnoxiously catchy. I like pie, I like cake, I like everything you bake. Ridiculous. I think the version we're doing is the four clefts, I think. Of course, the next obvious question is if we suffer from the curse of the earworm and we've got this music going on, what can we do about it? Can we actually get rid of it? right? And for me personally, one of the things, it's sort of like Mozart, uh, one of the ways I can get rid of the earworm is by actually listening to the song that is stuck in my head or the piece of music. So, sometimes I'll do that. If it's in there, sometimes I get these earworms and they go on for days. I just cannot get this thing out of my head. It goes on and on and on. So, I'll go listen to the song. Sometimes it's a song that I haven't heard for a long time and maybe I'm missing it. So, I want to just go check back in with it and that helps me to move on. Sometimes, and I did learn about this in my, in my quote-unquote research about this subject, you know, you can sort of manually change the channel. So, you can just force yourself to, to hear another song, and that gets rid of the first song. But then, of course, with me, when I do that, that the new song just gets stuck in my head. And oftentimes, I'm just a total victim to whatever music is going on around me. So, you know, today... The baby monkey song, which I don't, I think I actually finally burned it out of my brain, but it, it, it gets, it gets, uh, you know, reintroduced and then, oh God, it's back in there again. But I think, you know, what I was just saying that, that you can actually, you can earworm a song so hard that eventually it, you just develop a fatigue for it and you just, it just falls out naturally on its own. It, it, it uses up its, its purpose, right? Very interesting, very interesting stuff. Some of the research that I was reading, people have done research, you know, on, on earworms, scientific studies, and some of the, the different things that the suggestions that people were coming up with were you can chew gum. That's an interesting one. Eat cinnamon. Maybe you can do the cinnamon challenge, and while you're choking to death on the cinnamon, you can, uh, you'll forget all about that song that was stuck in your head. This is a good one. Engaging working memory in moderately difficult tasks. Tasks like doing anagrams or Sudoku puzzles or a crossword or reading a novel. So, in essence, you're distracting your mind by causing it to focus in different directions. So, I don't know, maybe some people with those activities have that kind of discipline. For me, generally, no. Maybe it goes, the music goes a little more to the background, but I'm sure if somebody said, hey, Daniel, what are you, what's going on in your mind right now? I would 
just check back in with it. Oh, and there it would be. And of course, one of the most dangerous things about earworms is that they are contagious. So if you're constantly humming something out loud, you know, your, your friend or partner, whoever is nearby, uh, is going to say, stop that. Now you got that stuck in my head, you know, and, and it can, it can lead, it can be a source of, of consternation, struggle, distress, uh, conflict. So, uh, we have to be careful what we do with our earworms. Or we could torture people with them. You know, my wife and I would, you know, baby monkey, back and forth to each other. Ah, stop that. So it was, it was, it was funny. We would, we would torture each other. Thursday, 1.45 p.m. I just ran into Jojo Mayer on the streets of New York. We had a nice chat talking about Buddy Rich, how we both had done Buddy Rich events in the last couple of years. So now I've got Channel One Suite stuck in my brain. With earworms being such a distraction and such an issue and such a problem, I also have wondered throughout my life, is there some way that I can turn this phenomenon, this issue, this problem I have to my advantage? And I'd like to address that by talking about Nile Rogers. And I know this might be a, a strange segue, but, but roll with me on this. So Nile Rogers, you probably have all heard the name. He's a, a very famous composer and producer. He started his career as the the leader of the band Chic back in the 70s. Of course, uh, aw, freak out, you know, Le Freak, Good Times. They just had so many great songs in the disco era. When the disco era ended and Chic's career ended, Nile Rodgers went on to become a producer, and he, he ended up producing some of the most iconic records of the 1980s, Let's Dance, David Bowie, Like a Virgin by Madonna, Duran Duran, some of their big records in the 80s. And I forgot to mention prior to that, in the late 70s, We Are Family, Sister Sledge, huge hit that you still hear everywhere today. And in recent years, Nile Rodgers has been affiliated with lots of other people. He won a bunch of Grammys for the tune Get Lucky, the Daft Punk Pharrell Williams mega hit of a couple summers ago. Talk about an earworm. Could not get that one out of my head forever. Normally, I'm not the world's biggest fan of contemporary pop music, but when I heard that song, I was like, this is cool. And of course, there's Niles, you know, very hip, 16th, funky, 16th note, chunky guitar going on in the background. And I went, oh, Nile Rodgers is involved. No wonder this sounds so cool. So anyway, Nile Rodgers. Why do I bring up Nile Rodgers? Well, a few years ago, I happened upon, I guess I follow him on Twitter, and he had this link to something called Walking on Planet C. And I was intrigued by that. And I, I went to it, and it turns out it was a blog on his website. And in 2010, Nile Rodgers got cancer. He, uh, I'm not sure what type of cancer, but he was diagnosed with a very brutal, aggressive kind of cancer. And it, it really was looking like this might be it for him. And so he, you know, kind of documented the treatment. He went through it. And when he came out of it, part of his recovery was that he had to walk four miles a day. Now, interestingly, I have discovered that Nile Rogers lives literally at the end of my block here on the Upper West Side of New York City. I'm not going to give any more details than that. But I've seen him coming out of the building with his guitar over his shoulder, headed to the subway, getting on the subway, just like, you know, like everybody does in New York. No big deal. And so what was interesting, though, is when he was discussing his four-mile walk every day, he was talking about my neighborhood. And he was all, it, it turned out to be this really incredible opportunity for him to share what it was like to recover, 
what it inspired him, how it inspired him to change his life, the things he was going to do. And what I learned is that while he was walking, he was singing music. What a surprise. In his head. He had music in his head. And he talked a little bit about that phenomenon. So the question is, um, what did he do to use that music toward a positive end? And I think as he walked and as he sang and he looked around the neighborhood, it brought up a lot of memories for him about the places he was walking past and what went on there and experiences he's had he had had there over the years and what, you know, and maybe some of these memories that were attached to the songs. So he started to write a blog, which I said already is called Walking on Planet C. I'll put the link to that in the show notes of this podcast. And uh, you can check it out for yourself. And and it it's, I don't know how, if the entire blog is still up or if he, he changed it over the years, but I started reading and following this blog and every new thing that he posted, and it was about his treatment. But then it would always lead back to really cool things he'd done in his career. He posted a lot of amazing pictures of him with all these different folks. And it's just sort of become a running commentary of his life. And in those years, he's now cancer-free. In the years since, he started the blog and, but I think it gave him a new sense of urgency, a new sense of clarity, a new sense of moving forward. And since then, he's written uh, a Broadway-type musical, which I don't think has been produced in New York yet, but I'm interested, I'd be interested to hear it. Um, he wrote a book, which I uh, bought, had signed by him. He did a signing here in New York, uh, which is called Le Freak, no surprise. It's an amazing book. The guy has lived an incredible life, and it's, it's a fascinating uh, history of, you know, of, of a life in music and the eras that he's lived through and, and, and how he got to where he is. So I find all that type of stuff fascinating. And for him, that was sort of how he utilized the music that was in his head. Um, for me, I find that when I do similar things like walking or running or doing something very sedentary and quiet, uh, like yoga or, um, you know, meditation type stuff, which I try to do a little bit of, and, you know, things to calm my very, very busy life and very, very busy mind. When I do those things, if, you know, I hear music and the music helps me to get into more of a zone, whatever song I'm, I'm thinking about, and it often opens up creative spaces where they were filled up with busy stuff before. So putting down the social media. You know, I, I've recently uh, started swimming again as a form of exercise. Exercise. I used to uh, be a runner for years, but I you know, have, you know, bodies a little too broken down these days to, to do a lot of running. So um, I've gotten back in the pool, which I really enjoy. Again, it, you get into a zone and it, it clears your mind and opens some doors that new creative things can come in. And this is how I've come upon all of my creative projects that, I, that I've done over the years. So one time on an airplane, I was just, I was sitting, I was kind of relaxed, and this idea, hey, why don't I write something called Daniel's Big Book of Shuffles? Because I was really into shuffles at that point. I was, you know, playing a lot of them with Royal Crown Review, and I had this giant vocabulary list of shuffles, if you will. Um, and I, I, I sort of just picked up a pen and a piece of paper and just wrote everything I could that was in my brain at that time. And that book ended up turning into The Commandments of Early Rhythm Blues Drumming, which is essentially Daniel's big book of shuffles. Um, The Century Project, same kind of thing, letting my mind wander and having it be opened up. And I think 
Sometimes walking, going someplace beautiful, not being around anybody, letting, you know, the voices in your head, the music in your head kind of talk to you and just open some doors and allow creative thoughts. Uh, And then, oh, you jump on something, you start chewing on it. And in the same way that I obsess on music or I hear the music obsessively, I can begin to obsess on on things. And and one of these things that I definitely obsess on, uh, and sort of that's a combination of all of the above, is if I'm writing a song. When I am writing a song, that song gets so stuck in my head, I cannot I cannot get it out of my head. And sometimes that's bad because I'll be thinking about a verse or a chorus in a particular way and I can't change it if I want to try some new ideas. But it's it's really cool because I just obsess on the song and I got to try to get it out of my head by by writing it down or recording it or putting it on paper. And I'm sure, again, this is how a lot of songwriters function. They get things stuck in their head, musical ideas Maybe not ones they've heard before, but new ones or original ones or ones that are based on something else that they then tweak and, and turn into something uh, that becomes original for them. And, you know, how many hits have been written that way? We can only imagine. Cat Stevens, Matthew and Son. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Second Movement. Foo Fighters. Bridges Burning. The Crippled Waltz. In Your Eyes, Peter Gabriel. Another One Bites the Dust. Shiggy Otis. Shiggy Otis. Ice Cold Ice Daydream. Cold. Dolly, Parton. Dolly Parton. Here you come again. All right, well, I want to thank you very much for joining me into my deep dive into the phenomenon of the earworm, the brainworm, the urwurm is coming from German, the sticky music or stuck song syndrome. And I just want to uh, conclude with a quote that I <laughs> that I use maybe to console myself, and anybody can, if they have music stuck in their head all the time. And the quote goes, Beware the man not moved by music, for he has no soul. And I couldn't agree more with this quote. Personally, I think if the politicians around the world and the rulers and the captains of industry had a little more music in their soul, the world would be a better place if they were moved by music a little more. If they heard, if they had a few more earworms, um, maybe maybe we'd be all, all be on a better track. So thanks very much. And, you know, send me an email. Let me know about your experiences with earworms. Let me know the songs that are stuck in your head, just like you've been listening to the songs that are stuck in my head. And, uh, And we'll keep struggling through it together. All right. Have a great one. 